Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for calling into this. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. To, to give you a little bit of background, I know I described it a little bit in, in my initial message to you, but I created this podcast essentially just to catch up with Mavericks from the past. I'm a lifelong Mavs fan, born and raised in Dallas, and uh, I have a passion for NBA history, and I just I really enjoy talking to former players. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. About, about your basketball career and your time in Dallas. And one of the one of the first things I wanted to ask you is just growing up in Pennsylvania, what initially got you interested in the sport of basketball? Um, you know, very young age. Um, you know, my father had played and uh, my brother had played. And uh, they took me over to um, one of the gyms that a guy was coaching at who, uh, you know, just really – would take any kid that would come out. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. care if you were good, bad, whatever. Just, uh, you know, had a passion for the game. And uh, every kid that came, he gave a jersey to. And, you know, just made it interesting and, and enjoyable for every kid. And, you know, I just fell in love with it, like, around second grade. That's really cool. And that's, uh, that's a pretty early start. At what point did you begin to notice that, you know, you had a uh, – a significant upside that, that you were better than a lot of the players that you were either playing with or against? Uh, I'm not sure there's ever one point. I think, um, you know, one of the things that happens is, you know, you start to play, um, everybody's bringing you up. So if you're a fourth grader, they want you up on the sixth grade team. If you're a fifth grader, they want you on the eighth grade team. You know, um, a lot of that had happened early for me. Um, and I think, you know, not because of my basketball skills or my athleticism, obviously, but I think a lot of it was based on, um, you know, just had a real uh, keen sense of the game, a very good feel for the game, um, and went out and was able to uh, just have a really good feel and, and make other people better. During your during your high school career, were there any NBA players or like future big time college players or future NBA players that you played either either with or against during that time? Yeah, um, me and when I was a junior in high school, uh, me and uh, Doug West, who played with the Timberwolves for a long time, we were high school teammates. Um, I so, the Timberwolves. Yeah, so we grew up together uh, playing ball since second and third grade together. <laughs> um, so all our lives we had played together. And, uh, you know, a former NBA player, he came back. Uh, Johnny Moore would come back to Altoona. He's from Altoona, um, <laughs> you know, and, and help us out as we were high school and college players. So, um, you know, for a small community of about 50,000, 40,000, we've had, you know, uh, four NBA players. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. I was, I was not aware of that. Uh, it, Danny Fortson is from that area too, right? Correct. Danny's from there. Um, you know, his junior year in high school, he transferred over to the Pittsburgh area, but gotcha. you know, he grew up, uh, in that area. So we've had Johnny Moore started it. Then, uh, Doug was second, myself third, and then, uh, Danny was fourth. I remember him when he played in Dallas too. So after your high school career, what, what was the recruitment process like for you that eventually led you to go to, to Penn State? You know, my, at the time, you know, my recruitment wasn't that high. Um, you know, mostly mid-major schools, some, some schools, uh, Ohio U was recruiting me and Penn State was recruiting me. And I just think it was one of those things where, you know, um, I went to a local school, stayed close to home, um, you know, kind of enjoyed the fact that, uh, you know, Penn State was in in our area was, you know, 
big time. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, uh, absolutely. Everybody loved the lines, and you know there was a lot of pressure to go to the school. Um, you know, and we we didn't have all the things um, people have today in terms of uh, you know the ability to get online and see all their games and and everything. Uh, you know, you have so much more information of how a team plays. Uh, the game, so many more games are on TV. And, you know, I think before you go to a school now, you can really do your homework and research on it. Yeah, definitely. I, and that makes sense just given today how accessible everything is. So I know I'm not a big college basketball fan. You know, I maybe would say I'm a casual fan at, at best, and that might, that might even be pushing it. But were there any, like, notable – games that you had at, at Penn State or any notable memories that you had before you eventually transferred to St. Francis? Um, yeah, I think there was uh, one or two. You know, at the time, Temple was the number one team in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we played them, um, and I got my first start that game. I think we ended up losing by a point uh, there. Uh, you know, we got to play against Oklahoma when they went to the national championship when they had Stacey King and Mookie Blaylock, uh, that great team. Um, so, you know, we were playing really good squads and teams, both teams were number one in the country, Temple and, and Oklahoma at the time. So, you know, you remember those games and playing against those players. Absolutely. And I know you had a couple of years there before you transferred to, to St. Francis. And I mean, just, I was looking at some of your, your college stats and, you know, you obviously received a lot more playing time at St. Francis. Was it, was it just like basketball reasons why you transferred? Because it looks like you definitely had more of an opportunity to showcase your skills, <clears throat> your skill set there. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think two things, you know, I think one, um, you know, the style of play when we were at Penn state, we played a lot of flex offense, uh, which wasn't really good for me. I needed a little more up-tempo and ball screen mm -hmm. um, offense. I think I was really, really good in the ball screen, which helped me obviously get into the NBA and, uh, you know, probably maybe at the time, you know, I went a little over my head. Um, you know, maybe the, maybe it was too good for me at Penn State and, uh, you know, had to, um, you know, go down a level. Obviously, the NEC is a little bit lower. At the time, we were in the Atlantic 10. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't in the, uh, the Big Ten like Penn State is now. But the Atlantic 10 was different. It was West Virginia, um, you know, Rutgers. They were all in the Atlantic 10 at the time. And, you know, again, maybe, again, all kids think they can play at a really high level. Maybe I went a little over my head and it wasn't the right system for me and had to go down a level. And uh, obviously it turned out for the best. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you definitely made the right choice. Um, you know, averaging over 20 points a game there your last two years of <clears throat> playing collegiately. So you finished your college career in 1991 and you're getting ready for the 1991 NBA draft. What what was your pre-draft experience like for you? Did you work out for a lot of teams, or did you have any expectations for yourself at that time? You know, back then, there wasn't a whole lot of working out for the teams in general. Uh, it was a lot more the combine camps. So it started off with Portsmouth, which it still does today. And then uh, if you were good enough for Port after Portsmouth, they invited you down to Orlando uh, when they had probably 40 guys down there. It was almost all the – very good players heading down to those, uh, maybe not some of the first round or the lottery pick guys. You went there, and then when you were done, you went to Chicago. Um, so, you know, it, it was a long process uh, for myself. But, you know, the one thing about it was, you know, I was never scared to play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was, always, I was always excited about playing and, and always felt confident in my ability. You know, so many times now guys say, oh, I don't want to work out for this team or I don't want to go to this combine. 
because they don't want to do something wrong and hurt themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't yeah. go. And, and, and I never had that fear. Um, and I think I didn't have that fear because, um, you know, no one ever really gave me anything. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a guy coming out of St. Francis PA, you don't have the, the, you know, the pedigree of a Duke or North Carolina or BCS schools. You have to go out and you have to prove yourself every night, um, on that other level because you don't get to play against that competition all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I was never scared of that. I always embraced the opportunity, uh, everywhere I went. And I think that was one of the things that really helped me that people knew how competitive I was and, and, and wanted to be in the league. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that, that you were invited to all of those pre-draft games and workouts and everything, I think is pretty cool given, you know, where you came from. So you're drafted in the second round by, by Dallas. What, what was your draft night like for you? Were you watching on TV with your family or did you just get a call from an agent? How, how did you find out you were coming to Dallas? Yeah, we were, we were all down, you know, we were at the house watching the draft, um, you know, and you go through a lot of different emotions at that time. Um, you know, at one point I was supposed to go to the Rockets in the first round and then maybe oh, wow. Golden State in the first round. Um, <laughs> you know, people are in their calling, hey, this might happen if this guy gets drafted. And, uh, you know, it, it, to be honest with you, it's more nerve wracking than it is enjoyable. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, for me, it was, you know, when you hear your name called, it's a relief and probably I was happy for five, 10 minutes. And then I was like, maybe we should go to the gym now. Um, you know, <laughs> just because, um, that's how, that's how I'm wired. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I don't, I don't think, you know, for me, it was never, Hey, great. I, I got drafted. Um, I made it. It was like, okay, what do I have to do to be on the team now? And, you know, and I knew that for me, that's a lot of work and, you know, that's how I kind of live my life. Uh, always when you have an opportunity in front of you, you go out and you work hard and, and you go get it. Definitely. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Um, so what were your initial impressions of, of Dallas as a city and of the Mavericks as an organization? You know, I love the city of Dallas. It was, you know, at the time, re- really, the Cowboys were winning the Super Bowl, so all the focus was on them, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, but uh, it, it's such a great city to live. Uh, you know, the people were so fantastic to, to us. And, uh, you know, the, the the organization with Donald Carter, he, he ran a great organization, him and uh, Rick son was the general manager, one of the general managers at the time. And, you know, I still talk to Rick now and then, and, um, you know, he just did a great job. Um, you know, with Norm Sanju, um, you know, we had a lot of really, really quality, great people in the organization. Um, you know, and just, uh, I think they all wanted to be successful. Yeah, they definitely did. And I know, but you know, they had definitely taken a step down, uh, from when they were playing pretty well in the late eighties. What was your your rookie year experience like on a team with, uh, you know, Rolando Blackman, Derek Harper, Brad Davis, D- James Donaldson? What was that? How, how did they treat you as a rookie? You know, it was really great. You know, I was very – I always said I was very fortunate um, to have those guys because they were such professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Fat Lever and Brad Davis and uh, Harper and Blackman, you know, they all took me under their wing and, and, and really helped me um, – you know, become a professional because it's not just about playing too. You know, it's how you treat your body, how you take care of your body, uh, how you conduct yourself in public, um, how you conduct yourself with the media. All those guys, you know, they had been 10, 12-year vets. Mm-hmm. So it was really beneficial for me, um, 
in all those aspects, not just playing basketball, but in life. Definitely. I've talked to um, a couple of other players that played during that time with them. They did say that, you know, those guys were very beneficial for their career. Do you have any like specific memories of the very first NBA game that you played in? Um, no, not a lot. I remember, I just remember the, the situation, you know, I remember the first 18 games of the year, um, you know, I played very little, mm-hmm. um, those games. And, you know, the one thing that I remember is that, you know, I always tried to be the first guy in the gym and the last to leave every, every time. Um, and cause you know, you know, I knew I had to keep continuing to work and then there was some injuries and, uh, you know, uh, some trades and, and I got my opportunity, uh, to step up and, you know, just kept working hard every day. So, um, you know, I think one specific game isn't in mind, but I just think the whole process, the whole journey, I think that's the most important thing uh, about being in the NBA. You know, people always look for that final destination, that final, um, you know, that final bell to ring. For me, it's always been about the journey, um, Mm -hmm. the day-to-day grind of it. Uh, You know, that's the one thing that I love, and that's the one thing I love being in coaching, uh, you know, the day-to-day grind of it. Uh, some people don't like that. I've always, uh, I've always appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really admirable. Yeah. I'm looking at some of your, uh, from your rookie year, you know, you're right. You didn't play much, well, especially the first month, but you gradually were getting more playing time. And then by March of that season, you were playing nearly 40 minutes a game. Um, that's, right, yep. that's incredible. Was that mainly, uh, so I kind of I became a Mavs fan in the mid '90s. So I'm gradually becoming more familiar with early or with the '80s and early '90s teams. But was that just a injury situation, or I mean, you played very well. It looks like you had a lot of 20 point games. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think I think one of the things was that I was playing pretty well because usually in the NBA they don't play you if you're not playing well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I I was fortunate too because you know I had a head coach in Richie Adubato that really believed in me. Uh, gave me a lot of confidence every single day. Um, you know, assistant coach and Bob Zeffalato, who like would work with me every day on shooting and in drills every day, would be spend a lot of time with me in the gym. The time Clifford Ray, like if you wanted in the gym at 6 a.m., Clifford Ray would come in with you and work <laughs> you out a little bit. So, you know, I was fortunate. You know, Gar Hurd had tremendous amount of knowledge uh, about different situations. So, you know, I was fortunate the coaching staff believed in me. Uh, gave me a lot of confidence, but also were there to work with me. Um, you know, now I know they have 20 different guys working, a workout guy, a shooting <laughs> guy, all this. Back then it was really just the head coach and the assistant coaches, and, and those guys had to put in a lot of time doing player development, and I was fortunate that I had some really, really good guys for player development. Yeah, I mean, you had some really uh, impressive games during that time, and I know in your second year – you know, your stats were fairly similar, but at that time, I think was that, I think I found a, uh, maybe an interview that you did, or maybe it was something on YouTube and you'd mentioned something about being in a game in Chicago. And I think it was Norm Van Leer said something very meaningful to you. Uh, I think he came from St. Francis too, correct? Was that that year that you got to meet Correct. Him? Uh, yeah. Norm Van Leer was there. Um, you know, just, uh, was you know, he was waiting at the top of the Chicago steps, you know, when you walk up to the, to the court and, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, very proud of the fact that, you know, and, and you don't realize it when you're going through it because, you know, things are happening so fast and you're just, if you're like me, you're just trying to survive, uh, you know, <laughs> in that league. It's, it's difficult. 
But, you know, he talked about what a great accomplishment it was to to make the league from where I came from because there isn't a lot of guys from those type of schools making it anymore. And, right. you know, really gave me a lot of encouragement. Um, you know, and, and I've been fortunate with a lot of guys. You know, it was great. One of the best relationships I had in Dallas at the time was with uh, Bill Walton because he was announcing a lot of our games on TV. Uh, and, and, and he was like – a world of knowledge for me. He would always talk to me, uh, you know, give me some advice. Um, you know, just very fortunate that way to have those type of people help you out. And I think that's, you know, that's all part of the success. Everybody wants to take credit for the success themselves. I've always believed that you're successful because of the people around you. And I think that was important. I had a lot of good people around me that really helped me. Definitely. That, that's really cool. Did you get to, did you ever get switched out onto Michael Jordan or anything during any of your times playing against the Bulls during those years? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> not sure. And you know what? Uh, it, it wouldn't have been one of my, uh, one of the things that I would be really excited about. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because when I was growing up, I was, it was, for me, it was magic and birds. So I gotcha. um, probably the most memorable thing for me is uh, when we went to the Boston Garden to play. Um, and Bird came back. He was just coming back off his uh, back injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of cool to play against him because as a kid, I grew up watching the those games on tape delay at 1130 at night, Magic versus Bird in the NBA Finals. They weren't yeah. on live at the time. You had to stay up till 1130 to watch <laughs> those games. So, uh, you know, it was kind of neat, and it was a little disappointing. The year that I came into the league was the year that Magic had, had announced that he had the HIV virus, so I did not right. get to play against him. Yeah, but that that is neat that you got to play against Bird. I, that must have been his final season in the league. I thought. I think, right? I think it was his final year. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That that must have been quite a thrill for you. That's really cool. So yeah, you had two pretty solid years in Dallas. You know, averaging nine points a game, which is you know uh, pretty impressive. But those were your only years in the NBA. Did Did you have any other opportunities? I saw at one point you had signed with the Magic, but I'm just kind of curious uh, how what what happened for you not to get a chance with another team after you put up some pretty impressive numbers? Yeah, the following year I was cutting the last day by the Magic um, of training camp. And then the following year after that, I was cut by the Cleveland Cavaliers on the last day. Uh, so two years in a row I was cut. You know, after I got cut from Orlando, I played in the CBA that whole year. Uh, didn't get a call up. Uh, it happens. And then the following year I had gone to Cleveland, uh, got cut the last day, and then uh, – about halfway through the year, decided to go to Italy. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at some of your, your career history, and I saw that you were in the CBA and played overseas. Uh, some of the, the CBA uh, team names kind of made me laugh, like the Shreveport Crawdads and Rap- Rapid, yeah, City, yeah, yeah. Rapid, uh, Rapid City Thrillers. That's uh, I hadn't heard those names. Um, what was the uh, CBA experience like for you? Uh, the CBA experience was good. You know, it's not the easiest life. The travel was hard, uh, all that. But, you know, again, I was very fortunate, um, for the people I played for. Um, you know, my first experience in the CBA was with Bill Musselman, um, you know, who, uh, was the coach of the Timberwolves for a while. And, uh, he was my first CBA coach. And then, uh, when I got, uh, traded over to Fort Wayne, Rick Barry was my coach and Clifford Bray was a coach again. Um, so I had, you know, fantastic coaches there following year. I went up to, uh, when I went up to rapid city, uh, I was with Eric Musselman, uh, who obviously is a very successful coach now in Nevada and had had NBA coach. And, uh, you know, very fortunate to have a lot of great 
coaches around me and help me, uh, again, become a better player, a better person, uh, become a better professional. And, and, you know, was very fortunate. All those guys helped me, and then I stayed playing professional basketball for 12 years. It's quite a long career. And, you know, getting to play overseas with some of the guys that I've talked to, you know, they they really enjoy that experience and getting to see or play basketball different parts of the world, different countries. And um, I've had a lot of interesting conversations about that. So I think that's really, that's really neat. So what, once your call or once your playing career wrapped up in 2003, what eventually led you into coaching? Uh, you know, I knew I wanted to stay around the game for, for, you know, as long as I could, I, I love the game of basketball. It's given me a lot. Um, but the coaching, obviously the coaching part of it, uh, has been a crazy, crazy experience. Um, and again, for me, it's about the journey and I get to talk about my journey and how great it is. And, and I appreciate it because, you know, you think, okay, I played in the NBA. Um, you know, I played overseas for a long time, you know, successful. Um, you think right away you should get a job coaching. Um, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really work like that. I probably, when I got back, you know, you lose some contacts too when you're overseas. Um, you know, so, uh, when I first got into college coaching, I probably sent out about 200 resumes, um, and maybe heard back from three and all of them were no. And, uh, the, the story is kind of, kind of an incredible story. So when I was being recruited out of college, a guy named Danny knee, um, who coached in Nebraska and um, coached at Ohio U when he recruited me was at Duquesne at the time. And Duquesne was near my hometown and I applied for a job there. And uh, he sent me a letter back saying no, but he had given the, my resume to the woman's head coach there because the woman head coach was at Penn state when I was there. Oh, okay. And he called me up. Yeah. So he calls me up one day and he says, do you have any interest in coaching women's basketball? And I said, I never thought about it. So he'd come and said, come over and talk to me and uh, ended up coaching three years in division one women's basketball. That's how the start I got um, in coaching. So I coached for three years in women's basketball and then uh, I got my first break to coach in the men uh, at a division three school. So I ended up coaching for four years at a division three school, <laughs> um, you know, and if you know anything about division three basketball, you pretty much do everything. You know, you, you're the coach, you're the uh, secretary, you're the travel <laughs> agent, you're the, you're the laundry guy. Um, yeah. You do whatever you need to do to make it work. So I, I spent four years at Division Three, and then I got my first opportunity in Division One as a director of operations at uh, Kinesis for my former coach, Jimmy Barron. And then I was out of New Mexico for a year as ops and then finally got the job as an assistant at Kinesis, and now I'm at Robert Morse University. So, um, you know, the coaching – part of it has been again back to the daily grind of it all you know what I mean Uh, nobody's ever (laughs) yeah nobody's ever said okay here's uh here's your job at uh Kentucky Duke you you know (laughs) handed me anything it's been uh you know a constant daily grind and uh you know but a constant enjoyable experience I wouldn't want it any other way um you know at first when you when you for like I said when you first get into coaching you think hey I played somebody should give me a job and it doesn't work like that so I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, I didn't put my head down. I didn't stop trying to stay in basketball because I definitely had other opportunities to do other things. But, you know, I stuck with basketball and, you know, I'm getting to where I want to be. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's really admirable. Like, I mean, just 
I can hear in your voice how hard you've worked and how determined you are. And I think I was, I was doing some research on you. You have a, a son playing basketball right now, right? Correct. Yep, Where? sophomore in high school. Okay, yeah, I think I saw some uh, some highlights of him shooting or something. I, I'd have to go back and look, but I think I saw some of that. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome because, you know, um, as a coach, you sometimes don't spend as much time as you'd like with your family mm-hmm. um, because of the, the obligations. And, and, you know, the one nice thing is being in a college, we have a gym 24-7. So I get the chance to work him out a lot um, and spend a lot of more time with him uh, being on the basketball court with him again, uh, you know, it's one of the benefits of the job and, you know, he loves the game and I get the opportunity to spend some time with him just doing that. Yeah, that's great. How did, how did, uh, Robert Morris do this year? Uh, we ended up, uh, we lost in the semifinals of our conference tournament. Um, so, you know, with, uh, with small division one basketball, you know, the mid majors, it's, it's, uh, conferences that have one bid you either win your conference or the season's over pretty much right well that's cool that you made it to the semifinals that's pretty impressive yeah you know we have a lot of great things at our school coming on you know uh it's a great place pittsburgh's a great city we have a new 51 million dollar arena coming on our campus next year um that they're building uh so that'll help with recruiting um you know a lot a lot a lot of positives um, and that's that's what you want when you're when you're in this game, uh, you know, because there's the haves and have nots um, and, and you got to keep moving forward or, or people will pass you by. So we're very fortunate, Robert Morris, that we have an administration that's really into basketball, um, really into athletics. You know, our president of our school played football at Air Force. So he loves athletics. He understands the value and the importance of it on a college campus. Um, and when you have that kind of support, it really helps. Yeah, that uh, sounds like an exciting time for, for you and your program. So I think I just have two more questions for you. Um, and sure. thank you so much for, for calling into this. I, I really do appreciate it. The first is, what was the process that led to you being in the first NBA Jam video game? I'm really excited to know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hate to disappoint you, but I have no idea. <laughs> um, and to be honest with you, no one ever told me that I was in NBA Jam. Um, one day one day I was at a birthday party, I think at a Chuck E. Cheese, and there was NBA Jam, and we turned it on, and I was on it. Um, so I was never informed, never told, <laughs> nothing at all. One day I just see it on there, and I'm like, hey, I'm on that game. <laughs> so I'm sorry to disappoint you on that story, <laughs> um, but that's just kind of, you know, that's uh that's that's the that's that's the uh inside info on it <laughs> no that, that's not a disappointment that's actually pretty funny uh <laughs> i just think that that's that's really cool and uh an interesting uh tidbit of information i think that that's neat so the last question i have is a is a mavericks related question and it's something that i i, I like to do when i'm talking to former mavs and quiz them a little bit on their memory one thing i wanted to or one question i wanted to ask you or i guess the only one is I'm looking at the roster for the regular season roster for your rookie year with the Mavs and including you, there are 17 names on it that played a regular season game that year for, for the Dallas. <laughs> I wanted to see how many of them you can name. This is from your rookie season. Oh, wow. For my rookie season. Yes. Let's see. So we would have had Brad Davis. Yep. That's one uh, fat lever two. 
Correct. Uh, Ro- Rolando Blackman, three. Derek Harper, four. Randy White, five. Doug Smith, six. James Donaldson, seven. Um, Herb Williams, eight. Donald Hodge, nine. So my rookie year. Um, Tim Legler? No, I think he might have been the next year. Not that would have been my next year. Okay. Uh, Tim Legler. Let's see who else we would have had. Um, Walter Bond? No, not that year. Next year? Okay. Steve Bardell? That was the next year as well. That's the next year as well? Wow. Uh, Starting to get a little tough. Let's see here. (laughs) You had another. Uh, so you oh, named Rod- Rodney McRae. Sorry, Rodney McRae. I forgot about yeah. Rodney. Yes. Rodney you had uh, Brad Davis, and there was also another Davis. Yep, Terry Davis. There, yep, there you go. Yep, Terry and Rodney. Um, whew. Five more. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that would have been the kid from, oh, from North Carolina State. Oh, I know. I think I know who you're talking about. Brian Howard. Yeah, Brian Howard. Yep. Was he okay? Brian Howard. Um, that's all I can remember right now. Okay. Uh, so there's four more. Uh, there's Tom Garrick. Oh, Tommy Garrick. Yeah, yeah. He was a woman's coach at Rhode Island too. Head coach up there. Yep. Tommy Garrick. Yep. Cool. Uh, Tracy Moore. Yep. Tracy. Remember Tracy. Brian Quinette. Yep. Brian Quinette. And this last one, I think – I could be wrong. I think he only played one game, and I'm, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of his name because I don't recognize it at all, but it's Joao Viana, Viana? Yeah, he was a kid from Brazil. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, he only played one game. He was a kid from Brazil. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a kid from Brazil. So, yeah, I remember all those guys. Just Very didn't remember cool. everybody's name at the time because we, we went through a lot, a lot of roster changes during that yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But that's just uh, something I, I like to do when I'm talking to former Mavs. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, you answering the question. And, um, like I said, thank you so much for, no for calling into this, Mike. I really do appreciate your time. No, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, it, once you play with the Mavericks, you're always a Maverick fan. So, it's you know, through through the course of the time, you know, it's great to see that them, you know, they won a championship. Obviously, uh, Mark Cuban's a Pittsburgh guy, you know, from this area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome, uh, you know, uh, you know, to have somebody from this area. Uh, and I know he's a fantastic owner. I know they're going through some, you know, some rebuilding times right now. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's always great to follow them. And you know, they've had a lot of great players throughout throughout the over the course of the last twenty years. And you know, and I, I know some of the people. I think some of the guys that you know I played with are still working in the organization. Yeah, I, I think so too. Well, I, I mean, Derek's. Uh does the color commentary on every, every broadcast and Rolando is with the team for a little bit. And I think Brad Davis is in some player development role or at least has been in the past. So yeah, they're definitely, they're still yeah. involved, which is really cool to, cool to see. Well, it'd be great if they brought me back sometime. So to do some work. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you make it to Dallas yeah. any at all anymore? Make it back? Uh, you know what? I've been down there a couple of times. They had the final four down there uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, so, you know, I've been down two or three times, um, down there recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, usually about twice a year I get back. Um, it was kind of, 
weird the first time I had been back because I hadn't been back probably in 10 or 12 years to see, you know, no more reunion arena and to yeah. see the American airlines arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was kind of, kind of strange for me, you know, making that trip in there and everything. Uh, it was different, but, uh, you know, again, they just, they, they do such a great job in Dallas and I'm sure, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle has been there a long time, does a great job and I'm sure they're going to, you know, get through this rebuilding process and, you know, Cuban's not going to like to lose for a long time. So <laughs> I'm sure they're going to turn it around quick. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Well, uh, like I said, thank you. Thanks for calling in to this. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll email you a link once I, once I have it online. All right. Sounds good. I always appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a great night. All right. All right. You too. Good luck. Thanks. Okay. Bye.